part of CCK Ferndale for over a year now. Um, been at Rebound for a couple years, and uh, I do get to work with um, the, the kids are not crazy. I just want to make sure <laughs> that they're, n they're not crazy. They're like any other kids, um, but we do work with uh, families who are, who are struggling or looking for hope, and, and we, uh, we major on helping families stabilize, and uh, so it, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Um, so, um, yeah, we get to continue on in this series, uh, Disciple, Be One, Make One. Um, as Rich has mentioned, this is a really pivotal uh, series for our church because uh, it, 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 it has, it's setting a target for our church, and, and that is to be a church that, that makes disciples. And so I'm excited to be included in sharing that and sharing from my own heart, my own experience, and, and uh, yeah, so just thankful for, for that opportunity. And um, Rich talked about uh, last week about the value of relationship and why relationships are so important um, and what help those healthy relationships look like, um, that they're authentic. And um, this week we're going to take it a step further and we're going to talk about um, how to make disciples in the context of relationship. Kind of the key verse that this whole series sort of hinges on is is Matthew 28, where Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples. Go, go and make disciples. Um, so we're, we're starting with this premise today that, uh, that our purpose as disciples, as Jesus calls it, is to go and make more disciples. Um, and, and sometimes we get lost with that word disciple because it's not really a word that we use in any other context, just the church. We don't well, we, we don't go to uh, school, and, and our, we're not calling our kids their disciples or anything like that. So uh, we define disciple as someone who knows and follows Jesus. If you want to make it simpler, it's, it's almost like a student of Jesus. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're called to go and, and make more disciples uh, as sort of this overflow of our relationship with Christ. And um, I think this, the, this value, this idea of making disciples can feel like a burden sometimes um, some, because we have so much going on in our lives. If you're like me, you feel like you have too much going on. And so to talk about, okay, now we're supposed to add another thing, it can, it can feel like a burden, you know, because you, you might have your family life, that's really busy. You might have a, a career that you're trying to build. You might have just uh, pursuits in other areas, uh, maybe hobbies that you enjoy. Um, or maybe you're in a different place and you're just trying to survive. You've experienced setbacks in life and, and you're, you're, trying, you're working hard to recover. And so um, the, the hope today is not to make this feel like it's, like it's an unattainable thing, like it's, it's just a burden and and it's, it's you should, you should do this, you should do that. It's, it's, it's not that. Um, I, my hope today is to paint a picture of how God uses us to make disciples. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, uh, we can fulfill this great commission. So, um, so when we think of this idea of, of making disciples, um, if you've been... Uh, if, if you've been in the church a while, you, you may equate it to evangelism. So I want to, want to address that. 
Um, you may have heard of this word, evangelism. Um, you may think that when we th- we're talking about making disciples, it means that it's trying to persuade people to Jesus through our words, getting our message across as, as the core. And um, I, I want to share this, this picture that I found online. Uh, well, I, someone shared it, but I thought it was just hilarious and really fitting for, for this class. It, uh, this is a polar bear. It's got this guy cornered trying to get to his, uh, into his truck. And, and the, the caption, if you can't read it, says, do you have a moment to talk about Jesus Christ? This guy's trying to get out of there. And, uh, you know, your experience with making disciples could have felt something like this. Um, it could have felt awkward. It could have, it could have felt um, like you were trying to corner people. And I've been involved with, with mission trips and stuff like that in the past where, um, where this was, you know, it, it felt like this sometimes. Where it felt like, like it, was, it was a little awkward. Now, I want to say that there is that God uses evangelism, and we're called to evangelize, that, that we're called to share the good news, um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, evangelism is a, a spiritual gift, too. And if you don't feel naturally blessed with this gift of evangelism that doesn't let you off the hook, you're supposed to share the good news, um, but how can you do it in a way that is natural to your life? And that's, uh, that's what we want to, uh, want to talk about today. Because we're not moving away from the message. I mean, Romans 1 is pretty clear when it says that the, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So we're not moving away from that. Um, but discipleship goes beyond evangelism. Praise Jesus. It goes beyond being this polar bear right here, um, because people don't just need to hear a message. People need to see and experience Jesus through relationship, and that's what we're focusing on today, that people need to see and experience Jesus through relationship, that without a relationship, without true love, that our words don't really carry that much weight with people. And so today, I want to look at Luke 19. Um, where Jesus gives us an example of how he made a disciple through relationship. Jesus meets this little guy that we all, if you were in Sunday school, that you, you heard about this guy, Zacchaeus, right? And Zacchaeus was famous for what? Being short, right? So that's the whole story. God saves short people. Yes, awesome. We kind of like missed the message there. We kind of focus on like that that height thing, you know, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's like that punchline, it's like that song, he was a wee little man, that's, that's like our image of Zacchaeus, right, but the story of Zacchaeus is about more than just a short guy um, coming to Jesus, um, it actually shows us a life that's transformed through relationship, so uh, follow along as we read this, so Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. All right, there you go. Um, So here we have Zacchaeus. 
Uh, the Bible calls him a chief tax collector. So the tax collector at that time was probably the biggest sellout you could have in Jewish society. Um, you're talking about a guy who was born into a Jewish family, into a Jewish society, um, but in an effort to get rich, um, partnered with an oppressive Roman government and took money from his, from his family to give to that government. So it's like Zacchaeus, for, for the, the Jews, a tax collector and a chief tax collector, it's like, it's like a picture of injustice. Um, tax collecting back then, there was no IRS. Um, you didn't have things like wage garnishments. Um, they operated more like the mob. So, so if you're not paying, I mean, they're coming with clubs. You know, they're, um, they're upset. They're going to get their money or, or whatever they can. Um, and so Zacchaeus was in, involved in that. Today we could relate him to somebody like an embezzling corporate banker. It's just someone that nobody likes. Nobody likes him. And nobody has compassion for this guy. Um, you can see that, that because Zacchaeus sold out and he thought, man, money must be the answer to life, he, uh, he hit a wall. He's obviously not happy with his life. In all of that striving to gain wealth, sacrificing everything uh, else in his life, he was still hungry. Uh, he was seeking something or someone else uh, to provide him with a new identity. It, this this isn't, wasn't about survival. I mean, he was, he was eating. He wasn't like the blind beggar where, where, you know, Jesus healed him. This was like identity. I don't like who I am. I, I just don't like who I am. And he was searching for a new identity. And he was searching for hope. And he was searching for hope. And I think what Zacchaeus tells us is that we're all searching for hope. Everyone is searching for hope. And so um, that will be a key word. We're surrounded by people who are looking for hope, like Zacchaeus. Everyone around you is looking for some sort of hope. Even if you follow Jesus, there's something in your life that you want to change. There's something in your life that needs, that needs to be different. Um, you might be sitting here longing today, that, uh, longing for the hope that God can change who you are. Maybe you, maybe you resonate with Zacchaeus. Um, you know, you could, you could be here and think of people that are, that are desperate for hope, like Zacchaeus. Um, I work with a lot of people who are searching for hope. Um, I work with families who've been separated from their kids, and they're just they're just desperate for their kids. They're trying to work to uh, to kind of reunify, and it's a it's a heartbreaking emotional process. And because of that, because that we're all we're not only looking for hope, we're also looking for somewhere or someone to place that hope in. Um, People might be looking for that hope in a new home, in a new job. Um, people are looking for hope maybe through a new romantic relationship. And people, unfortunately, are looking for hope in like a political movement. Um, for Zacchaeus, the hope that he once placed in money, um, he's now looking to place somewhere else. And he's looking to place that hope in Jesus. He was compelled to find out who Jesus was. Um, you know, they didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't have uh, CNN or anything like that. So 
This word about Jesus was getting out just word of mouth. And he was hearing about how Jesus was transforming lives, that he was, he was healing the blind and the sick and the dead, and he was, he was uh, you know, preaching and, and, and telling these religious leaders what's up. And, um, and so word got out. And Zacchaeus didn't live like in the center of the action. He lived out in this town, Jericho. And so when he heard that Jesus was coming through town, he, he rushed to meet him. Um, you know, it was like, it's like if, uh, if Metallica finally comes to Ferndale, right? <laughs> it's like, hope fulfilled, um, you know, <laughs> painting that bridge will not be in vain, uh, you know, it's like if, if that finally happened. So this is like Zacchaeus's moment right here. Um, and we see that hope leads to bold action. So Zacchaeus was so desperate that he climbed this sycamore tree. Climbed a sycamore tree, you know, it's in a crowd. Um, now, this might not seem strange to us because we live in the Northwest, so adults acting strange is not anything that's different. Um, I think last summer when I was at Boulevard, I counted 15 grown men in hammocks, just kind of <laughs> like lying out. Um, so, yeah, so it's not, you know, it's not anything that's, that's, that's different. Um, but, so remove yourself from the Northwest and go to this, sort of ancient Middle Eastern culture. Um, you know, in the, in the Middle East, uh, men are taught to be distinguished and, and don't do anything that makes you look childish. So, like, running is not okay for a Middle Eastern man to do. Um, climbing a tree, taking that to the next level, definitely not, not okay. Um, and if you can think about it, um, I would, you know, Zacchaeus is not climbing a tree in pants, okay? He's climbing a tree in a tunic. And uh, I, all I'm going to say is I would not want to be under Zacchaeus while he's climbing that tree. Um, because, because, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a little exposed at that point. Um, so he has gone all out. He's made himself completely, completely vulnerable because he's desperate for hope. And you're surrounded by people who are desperate for hope. They may express that differently, but they're still desperate for hope. Um, so I want you to watch what Jesus does when he comes by Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give over to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man, his, son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love how Jesus treats Zacchaeus in this story. He doesn't just pass him by on the way through town. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, just dishonor him and, and walk past him. Uh, he's just some crazy guy, and he's got a place to go. I mean, Jesus was, was on a mission here. Jesus was actually headed down to Jerusalem um, to be crucified at this point, so it's not like he didn't have other things going on in his life. 
Um, but he, uh, he stopped and he said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to blow off everything else and I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to your house. He doesn't stop him and try to explain everything he knows. He just says, hey, I'm, I'm coming over. I'm going into your space and your world because I care about you. And what I find so beautiful in this passage, like many other uh, passages, is that Jesus includes somebody that nobody else wants to include in his life. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, was a guy who was filthy rich, um, who, you know, like just made people sick, and, and he was this chief money bags guy. And uh, not only that, he was climbing a tree, and, and it just was an awkward thing there. Um, you know, this was a guy that everyone else dismissed, but Jesus said, hey, I'm going to enter into your life right here. So Jesus includes Zacchaeus, and that's going to be a key word for us. It's like when we are seeking to make disciples, it's about including other people into our lives. Following Jesus means that we follow him into other people's space and into their lives. Um, Another verse uh, another in another place in John 20, Jesus says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. So he's, he's saying, not only has God sent us to go and make disciples, he's saying, do it like me. Like the Father sent me, now you carry it on. And that means including people like Jesus included. So we all, to, to break this down for us, um, it means that we all have people that God is calling us to include in our lives through relationship. And there are moments every day where we can choose to be involved in people's lives or not. Um, if we have eyes for inclusion, uh, we can see those needs of people around us and figure out ways to serve them. You'll notice that Jesus never shared the gospel the same way twice He always spoke it exactly to where that person was at. And when we're aware of other people, we can do the same thing. Um, God would call us to include other people in our lives. The reality is that regardless if we want to or not, we're always making disciples. We're always making disciples because people are watching our lives. And if we say we believe in Jesus and people are watching our, our, uh, our lives. Um, I think we've used this phrase before, but when it comes to discipleship, more is caught than taught. Um, people catch more than, than what you say. And I think this is really true when I look at my relationship with my kids. Um, I think that's probably the best example of how we make disciples all the time, whether we want to or not. So I have three kids. And the scary thing is, is that they pay more attention to what I do than what I say. Um, you know, for example, you know, I have a daughter who sometimes, like a lot of kids, doesn't listen, right? Doesn't like to listen, gets distracted. And so it's really easy for me to say stuff like, hey, give me your eyes. You know, look right here. I'm talking to you. Um, and it's easy for me to get frustrated until I remember where that came from. It came from me. I'm not a good listener. You know, my daughter is super creative, and there's been times where she's been telling me these stories, and and I haven't been a good listener. I've 
been easily distracted. And, um, and so it's, that's just an example of how more is taught than taught. And that's a truth that can weigh on us sometimes, but the great thing is, is that, is that coming back to the gospel, we continue to get a new start. We continue to, to uh, get grace um, to move on, to move forward. And, uh, and so the beautiful thing about that is when we're authentic, when we're vulnerable with people, when we open up about our own weaknesses and our own struggles, they get to see how the gospel is transforming our lives. Um, and so, you know, to bring it back full circle with my daughter, when, when I do mess up, I try to own it. You know, I try to own that and, and, and remind her that God is, is, is working on me, too. So these relationships are key. Making space and time for these relationships is super important. And uh, I want to talk about some things that get in the way. Um, what things get in the way for us in making disciples? Uh, the reality is that making disciples through relationships, it costs us something. I think that's something that, that we, need to, uh, we need to weigh. Um, it does, making disciples doesn't happen without our effort and our intentionality. So today we're going to look at three of these things. The first is that relationships cost us our time. Um, we make time for what we value. Um, we value our families, right? So we make time for our families. We, va- we value maybe being successful in our jobs. Um, so, we, so we make time for that. Um, we value recreation. Uh, we value rest. Whatever that is, we make space for and so if making disciples is a value in your life, you, you will make space for it. It does require us to slow down and be aware, to be flexible, uh, to be interruptible. Jesus made time for Zacchaeus. He stopped what he was doing, looked Zacchaeus in the eye, and chose to spend time with him. It wasn't like, he didn't stop and just, and just give Zacchaeus the, the uh, the details on on what it means to follow him he he entered in and and when we make uh, when we make relationships a priority we have space for people to process to figure it out uh, we make space to share Jesus um, in a in a more uh, maybe complete way than just here here it all is um, but time is a huge factor. Um, there's, there's been people who I've discipled um, that I've made time for. You know, one, one guy I met every Monday, we just, we just set that into our schedule, and every Monday we would meet and we'd talk, and, and that was great. Um, but my schedule got busy, and that didn't happen. And, uh, and now it's just trying to sort out, like, okay, okay, how can we make this work? Is, it, you know, is there somebody else who can kind of step in and, and work with this guy? Um, but time is, is such a valuable thing. Um, and in this fast-paced world, we have to figure out how to make time for others. Um, so for me, I live and die by Google Calendar. I don't know if you do. It's the, it's the way to go. It's on your phone. It's everywhere. Um, so I live and die by Google Calendar. You might like paper calendars, and that's, that's good for you. Um, no, it's good. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we have to schedule it in. Sometimes I want things to happen organically, but they don't if I don't make time for them. So, uh, 
you know, you may think, I don't think that's possible in my life. I don't know how, if I have somebody who God's put on my heart, I don't know how to make it happen. Um, Think of a way you can make it naturally fit into your life. Like, we've all got to eat at some point. Is there is there lunch that you can do? Um, I, I don't. I've never been there at this time, but I hear that Woods is open at 5:30, so you can you can meet there for coffee. I don't know how great the conversation will be, but um, yeah, I mean, time time is sometimes the biggest objection we have to uh, to, to making disciples. Um, it definitely is when it comes to small groups. Like we're we want this church to be in a small group because in a small group you're not only discipling people you're also being discipled and uh, and so it's it's a really beautiful picture of of what that can look like not that just you need to pour out into someone else but that you're also being poured into and uh, but we don't we don't make time for that we might feel too exhausted and need to consider how can I how can I make this work for my family. So that's one thing. The second thing that relationships cost is our comfort. Letting people into our lives isn't always seamless, and it's not always comfortable. It's often uncomfortable. Um, You know, sometimes you'll be letting people into your life that you might not like right off the bat. Um, It might not be people that are super easy to get along with. But I think this story of Zacchaeus is key because Jesus chose someone who nobody else wanted to spend time with. He chose the guy that everybody despised. Jesus was really the master of including people that nobody else wanted to be around. And as you go into this journey of making disciples, there may be times where, it, where it's uncomfortable. I remember one time I went to uh, hang out with a couple friends I went to their apartment, and when I got there, there was a guy lying on their floor in pain. And I asked them, so, you know, what's going, what's going on with this guy? And they said, well, um, you know, he's, he's uh, detoxing from heroin, and he just needs a safe place to be. And so they opened up their home to him and were, you know, uh, speaking hope to this guy. And... Uh, one of the guys had been a, a heroin addict himself, and, and uh, Jesus had touched his life. Um, that's not necessarily a, a comfortable place to be. But uh, when we make disciples, it can cost us comfort. The third thing that it can cost us, uh, these relationships can also cost us our pride. Um, following Jesus into mission means giving up our pride, uh, just as Jesus did himself. You know, Jesus modeled this humility. He modeled meekness. Um, he went. He was God and went downward, not upward. And uh, when we prize making disciples, it might mean going downward, and that might look different to people in our lives. But um, time and time again, I mean, that's who Jesus chose to be around. Um, in in uh, Matthew. Jesus is at this party, and the, uh, you know, the, the religious leaders are talking to his disciples, and they say, um, you know, why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus heard it and perked up, and he said, well, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, does that mean that the religious people weren't sick? No. What that means is that Jesus wanted to spend time with people who who knew they were sick, who were looking for hope. And when we're aware of that, then then, uh, we'll be looking for people who are looking for hope. And that can cost us pride. It might not look right to, to other people. So there's these three things that relationships cost us. Um, making disciples, it costs us time. Uh, it costs us comfort. It can cost us pride. Um, but let's not focus just on the costs. Let's also focus on the rewards. Because relationships reap transformed lives. And, and that's what we're looking for. The beautiful result of making disciples through relationship is watching lives transform uh, for here and eternity. And, and there's nothing more energizing than that. Um, this whole time we focused on what Jesus did, but we also should notice is Zacchaeus' response. I just listed it out. So first, Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. Zacchaeus called him Lord. And then Zacchaeus went and he paid back those he wronged beyond what would normally be required. Four times. So there's like instant fruit in this guy's life. This complete abandoning of this old life to embrace this new life in Jesus. And so through relationship, Zacchaeus becomes this new person. And that's the real power of the gospel. And that's what making time for people allows for. You get to be a part of their journey. We talked about how it's, this disciple thing is a process that we're all in. We're all in a process of discipleship. We're all in a process of growing in our faith and trusting Jesus more. And we're called to do that together. And we're, in call, we're called to include other people into that. And what it really is, is it's, it's partnering with what God is already doing in people. God's already at work in people's lives. God's already speaking and he's already on the move. So, um, you know, I, I want to close with this. I want to close with, with my own story of how I was discipled at a really, uh, really critical time. Uh, when I was, uh, when I had graduated college, I, uh, Bonnie and I had been married for a year. And uh, I moved to take a kind of a really competitive kind of tough job, 60 hours a week at recruiting up in Portland. So we moved to Portland. We lived in this little apartment that had mold problems. Um, Bonnie was commuting an hour down and an hour back from school. So she was feeling wiped out. We didn't know anybody. Um, it It was a really disillusioning time, especially when it came to um, my faith and walking forward in God. We were really disillusioned at that point. But during that time, we connected with this, this church in town, and we got to know um, the youth pastor there um, and, and his wife. They're Jody and Lupe were, uh, were their names. And he, uh, they invited us to start helping out, hanging out with the youth group. And, uh, and then they just started calling us up on weekdays to, to hang out or um, come over for dinner. And we were the worst house guests I think you could possibly get. We never brought anything for the dinner. 
uh, we'd hang out and we'd be so tired that as we were talking, we're falling asleep on their couch. Um, we, we were horrible house guests. And they would call us like every other day, hey, you guys want to come over and hang out? And Jody would just tell me about like what he, he was, he was going to, um, he, he was going to a seminary, going to Bible school at that point. He was telling me what he'd been learning. He was talking to me about what God had been teaching him through uh, being a youth pastor. And, um, and, and they really, like, sh- he really shaped my life in a lot of ways. Um, we watched them raise their little girl. Um, and, and now, even when I'm raising my own kids, I'm thinking back to, to Jody and how they raised their daughter. Um, Jody gave me this hunger for God's kingdom. He kept, kept talking about God's kingdom and, and, uh, and just gave me a hunger for that. He opened my heart to understand God's love in a, mo- in a more uh, real way. And, and the real tangible fruit of that is that when, when Jody and Lupe moved, um, Jody, Jody basically forced me to become the youth pastor <laughs> at the church he was at. So I quit my job. I became a youth pastor. He also inspired me to, uh, to go to seminary. And he, he's the one who really like helped push me on this path into ministry. And without him, my journey would look completely different. But it's because somebody was intentional and, and, stuck, um, and stuck by me when I was at a point where I didn't have much to give um, that transformed my life. And so um, I share that today, hopefully paint a picture and, and give you a hunger um, to, uh, to be discipled and to make disciples. Um, so as we wrap up today on your, on your um, response card, or um, not on your response card, but in your bulletin, on your notes, um, there's a little, little blank there. And that blank is for a name. And if you can think of, of, of a name of someone that God would call you to spend more time with, that God's calling you to come alongside right now, would you write that down? Maybe even write down a note. What, what could you do this week to reach out to that person? So for, for this to happen, we've got to make space for it. We've got to make space. I, real practically, if, if you're not plugged in, if, you're t- if we're talking about this and you're thinking, there's nobody in my life that's investing in me, consider joining a small group. Um, there's a lot of people here that can connect on a deeper level, that want to connect on a deeper level with you. Um, you know, and, and we need each other is the reality. We need each other. Um, we need to bear each other's burdens uh, I- as we move forward. And, and the desire for our church and for all of us is that we would really, um, we would be a church that makes disciples. So um, I'm going to pray as the band comes forward. I'm going to pray and uh, just pray that God would give you um, an opportunity to make disciples even this week. Lord Jesus, we just, uh, we just thank you um, for how you desire to change and transform lives. We thank you for being a God that is constantly making things new. Uh, we thank you for being a God that reached out to us and reaches out to us right now. And uh, we just pray, God, that you would um, give us your heart for people, that you would help us to see 
the people in our lives that you're calling us to include, um, that you'd empower us to make space uh, for others, that you'd empower us to make space for each other, that you would give us your heart to really walk with people. And God, we just pray that you would uh, you would be um, at work in our lives. If there's a burden, um, if there's a burden there this morning, God, I pray that that you would give us rest in that burden. Um, if this if discipleship feels like a burden, God, I pray that we would we would allow it not to. That it would it, it would feel like a light burden because your your burden is light, God. So we just pray, God, that you would uh, empower us this morning. We thank you for walking alongside of us. And we just ask, God, that uh, Lord, that you would transform all of our lives.